Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pocket Now Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Vergara. What's going on, everybody? All right, we have Nick Gray, editor-in-chief of Fandroid, back on the show. And it was kind of his idea. He's going to be doing a video uh, on all of our favorite smartphones of 2020. But since he asked me to be a part of that video, I thought, why don't you just bring that idea to the podcast? So we do spend uh, the back half of this episode talking about our favorite 2020 smartphones and what we're looking forward to in 2021. But before that, there were a couple of other things we wanted to talk through. Our check-in turned into a retrospective on the fact that we can't really or we haven't been able to really travel or see each other in 2020, uh, all of the shows that got canceled as a result, and what we might end up doing in 2021. And then I just couldn't let this news story go by without talking about Cyberpunk 2077 as a gamer. And since TK and I talked about it last week, I wanted to bring it up on this show. And Nick and I have quite the discussion about this as a product and how uh, releases that lead up to the release of a product uh, could actually be mired in controversy. In any case, that's everything that you can listen to here before Christmas. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast throughout this year. I know that things have been quite tumultuous with the podcast, and I want to just send my gratitude and give a happy holidays and Merry Christmas to all of you uh, ahead of the actual day on December 25th. So hopefully you are all taking care of one another. Thank you so much for sticking around with us and for hanging out with us, including on this episode with Nick Gray. Enjoy. You know what? That's where I'm going to start the show. Just like technology be damned sometimes. I'm also going to say technology, not even technology. This is user error we are dealing with at the beginning of this show. This is <laughs> this is the epitome of me being lazy. I am right there with you. Like the fact that any of us are still working as hard as we are, just day, we are one week away from Christmas and it is still busy. <laughs> Oh it's crazy. Gosh. I like, you know what though? I feel so good. Like I've gone down to like one video a week and my life feels so much better. I'm right. I, you know what? I wish I could be right there with you. Um, but video is all you got. So you have to do more. video is my life. That is a hundred percent it. But also like, don't, don't you feel sort of like a, 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 is the term I'm looking for here rush when you get done with a video and you're proud of it. Cause like, I wish I could keep I up that momentum every day. I get a, like I get a sense of satisfaction. Yeah, sure. Until that's, that's, I think that's a better word for it. Yeah. Until the first three hours, and then I see like it has three hundred views, <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, that was a waste of my time." It's ah, yeah. stupid algorithms. I oh my gosh, like my you last put video. Some the respect, only reason, they have to put some respect on the Fandroid name. <laughs> <laughs> my last video, like I did, it did good it did 30 some odd thousand views but that's only because the article got uh it got in the google news feed and got 190,000 page views wow like if so i go to my analytics for that video and 78 percent of all views were external sources because mm. it was from the website yeah. which is rarely the case it's usually like five percent and so i was like well the only reason that one did okay was because the articles <laughs> well it's mm. it's just the story of 2020 and i don't know about you i mean i've had you i had you on maybe like what two or three weeks ago i think three weeks um this might be the last time i see you in the year of 2020 so i guess a very pertinent way of starting this episode is how happy are you that we're we're nearing the end of this freaking year <laughs> uh it's I don't know. It's 
hit or miss because it's one of those things where I had lots of hopes and expectations for 2020 and they didn't all come to fruition. Sure. So it's kind of sad to see 2020 go without having checked off the accomplishments that I wanted to check off for personal and on the business side as well. But I don't know, like I I'm extremely hopeful for 2021, even though my hope for 2021 doesn't commence until like June or July, uh, based off of, you know, how COVID's going. So that's true. Yeah. We already have, um, all the CES stuff coming in right now. All the emails are flooding in. I'm getting emails from very random people who just use the CES. What's the term I'm looking for here? The newsletter slash like contact list, but they're still using- Just to get on the PR list. Exactly. And they're still using their automated systems. So it doesn't say, hey, Josh, great to meet you. I saw your name in the list. It's like, hello, dear. Um, (laughs) Like- there's They're no name general pr blasts yeah. that go out to i think the seventy-five thousand press and media that register for the show yep which is crazy so we're getting like random ass stuff coming in um not to say any of it is like useless it's just that i feel like we're gonna have a virtualized uh, like version of us being on the show floor walking past a bunch of booths that really want our attention, but we just can't mm-hmm. give it. <laughs> well, and I remember the first time I registered for CES, uh, I was I actually went back through emails and CES 2010 was my first one. So this would, I missed two. So this would have been my ninth, uh, 2021. Um, but going back and just looking over emails and some of... I replied to a lot of emails that I got that were just those general random things, just trying and hoping to get on people's radar as far as, you know, review devices and things like that. Because at the time I was just running my own blog and wasn't associated with a larger site. So um, I was just like crawling and scratching and trying to get ahead. Uh, And now I get those same emails and I'm like, delete 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 not even relevant to you know the niche that that we cover um you know people talking about infrastructure technologies and you know things like that i'm like really like nobody's gonna write about that you can just stop right there i will i will say though during quarantine because of all the virtual shows that we've done i will admit that there are certain companies that i probably would not have paid much mind to in the physical sense but because they were able to give a presentation to me at one of these virtual shows, I was like, huh, that's pretty good. Like, I would not have physically made the way over to their booth at like, what's the name of the, at the Sands Expo, um, which is where mm-hmm. like smaller companies tend to like be located during CES. rather the Innovation than, Park. Yeah, Innovation Park. Um, I actually have never even been to like the the Taiwanese or the Taiwan experience area. They're in a whole different area they're in that tent area right behind the the show yeah convention space and you know what there might be a lot of really cool things that are like there um but we just don't physically go to those places because all of our meetings are in the more major places and we we're not going to go out of our way when we're already tired as hell like going to all the major places well and it's one of those things every year at ces like you you show up and you already have a pretty much full calendar as far as meetings and different events and locations you have to be at certain times of the day 
in order to get hands-on with certain products. And then you start realizing, hey, I leave tomorrow and I haven't browsed the show floor. Yeah. Like I just haven't walked around and, you know, found something cool to look at and play with for a little bit, um, which was crazy because my first year that I went to CES, I went by myself. I'd never been to CES before. And I started in South Hall. And for anyone who's been to, to CES knows how big South Hall is. And it's the first floor and the second floor. And I thought that's what CES was because I hadn't, I didn't even make it in like my first day. I didn't even make it into Central Hall where all the big brands, that's where Sony, Samsung, LG, all the, you know, the major consumer electronic brands are located. But I was just browsing South Hall and I spent a full day going through there and just playing with stuff. And I was like, yeah, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's no really time for that. Yeah. It's really funny because like the, the farther into this work that we do, mm -hmm that we get the less we the less time we have to indulge and to just explore because mm -hmm. the, the the road is kind of paved in front of us like we already have leaks and specs on phones that are going to be announced in months we already know when to expect them rather than being genuinely surprised by them even at tech shows like we we walk up on a booth that any other year, that before our careers we would have been like oh my god this is amazing i remember bringing people who i remember bringing a few friends of mine to ces one year back when i was with andrew authority and they were like just in awe of everything going on. They were able to take a look at products, actually genuinely ask questions. And I'm over on the side like, yeah, I saw that yesterday. Yeah, we had a meeting. Yeah, I had a briefing. Like, <laughs> I, I kind of did the same thing. So this, this, this year at CES, back in January, it feels so long ago. I think that was the last time I saw you in person, right? Oh, I, I actually remember. have a funny story about that. Uh, but, but finish your story. So I, you know, with Fandroid, uh, we were able to, with me and three other guys, uh, two of which had never been to CES before. And <clears throat> I've been to CES a handful of times with noobs, first timers. And it's always that sense of awe and amazement never goes away with every year uh with like every every year you probably do this too but you go to the lg booth and they have that huge display wall mm -hmm. of some uh, sort you walk into sometimes it's sometimes of, it's of some a tunnel sort. sometimes it's a huge like wall but it's always something different and you want it you want to take a look at it because yeah. you know it's going to be amazing um but to see someone else look at that for the first time like their mind is completely blown mm -hmm. as to you know like that's like 7,000 TVs mounted up there. I'm like, yeah, they, they do it every year. They do something different. Um, but it's, it's fun to see other people's amazement because after it's been worn down and thinned out for everything that we've seen over the years, you know, it's, it's hard to impress who lives and breathes technology day in and day out. So it's, it's fun to see when other people see it for the first time and yeah. kind of catch their sense of excitement. I think that's one of the reasons why subconsciously i'll say i try not to have like the craziest tech in my personal life probably the only things that i can say i do that is with smartphones because they're provided uh, for our for our work but something like a 75 inch tv just never it never becomes part of my daily lexicon and then with pocket now i was able to review a vizio 75 inch tv 
and it has completely blown me away to have it in my daily life. Like I, every morning I sit down and watch YouTube there while drinking my morning matcha. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, if I were to go to CES before this TV happened in my life and I was rocking like a 55 here at the family home, uh, I would go to the shows and I'm like, wow, look how huge this TV is. And my first thought is like, it's probably like $5,000. I'll never have that. Even, even with the job I have, I'm never going to buy that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm still, I still have a small sense of awe, but it comes from a weird sense of like personal humility. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, like I was saying earlier, there's a bit of a story. I'll always remember the podcast you and I did with Isa at CES this past year. And Isa even joked about it because you sat between us and there were multiple. Yeah, I, was sitting <laughs> I was sitting between you guys and you guys are like going at it around <laughs> me. And I'm just sitting there like looking straight ahead at the camera. I'm like, this is going on. We, we, we were having, we were having couple moments and you were just sitting in the middle. <laughs> I'm like you guys need need to sit next to each other. I can sit on the side. You guys can work this out. And I remember, I remember saying, one, I think you actually said that at one point during the show." And I was just like, "No, you're the guest. <laughs> you sit in the middle." But I have another story, actually. Um, mm. Just a small little thing. So I opened as as men as probably we've said. I know that when David Amell is on the show, we joke about this. We're um, a lot of the tech influencers or tech YouTubers or techies or whatever you want to call us. We tend to stay in contact using one particular app, and that's Telegram. Uh, that Nick and I were actually just messaging on it just before the show, for example. However, uh, because I have a couple of videos that are still getting approved by sponsors and stuff like that, uh, I had to open up WhatsApp for the first time basically all year. Kill me now. <laughs> so I'm on WhatsApp again, and one of the first, one of the first messages that I saw when it synced back from the cloud. Nick Gray, February 11. Were you at Samsung today? <laughs> and this is my favorite you part. You didn't check my message I did not February 11. <laughs> my favorite part is I never responded. <laughs> and we were. We were at Samsung. Like, we were there. Um, I didn't see you. That's why I asked. Exactly. Were you there? Because I had no clue. <laughs> that would have been the last time we saw each other in person. But exactly. No. You decided not to answer my my message. And that was a weird time, that particular Unpacked, because that was the Unpacked that introduced us to the Galaxy Z Flip. Um, it showed us the S20 Ultra, which we're still like, eh, like, did that phone really need to exist ultimately? Um, and then as we were doing our, not really briefs, but we were in the experience zone for the Z Flip in particular, because that's the one that everyone wanted to look at. It was during that particular meeting that everyone, one by one, started to see the dominoes fall as COVID started to spread and things started getting affected. And the one that got affected that time was MWC. So mm -hmm. it was in the middle of all of us who would have seen each other at MWC hanging out, recording the Galaxy Z Flip, that one by one, each person was like, there it is. Oh, MWC canceled. Oh, can't go to Barcelona anymore. Oh, better cancel my flights, blah, blah, blah. And I, was, and I just remember, like, I, when I think back on it, I think, that's that's freaking nuts. Yeah, and, well, Samsung's event was also the first that they had to get in. They had uh, temperature sensors that were, they had camera, IR cameras that mm -hmm. were checking people's temperatures uh, that way in order to get in. Um, and then I remember... Um, I saw Kogan there and he, he had started 
uh, doing the, the elbow touch rather than, you know, fist bump or a handshake. He's like, no, we're this, this is what we're doing. We're doing elbow, an elbow bump instead of that, just because, um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you look back and you're like right before it all went to hell. Um, life was still good back then, wasn't it? It was all right, but you know what? Um, CES was its own crazy thing. It always is. It always is. Um, Though I will say, like, the CES of 2020 was one of those really great, like, aha moments for myself and Isa because we were able to go to the show of our own accord based mm -hmm. upon deals we made and sponsorships we made, uh, or secured, rather, so that we could go to the show without, like, because the, 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 I want to say the two or the, C at least the CES of 2019, we had to come as part of Pocket Now. That was our in. But then we've we had already established ourselves in such a manner that we could be here as our own uh, entities while working with Pocket Now, et cetera, et cetera, rather than the other way around. So it was a big deal. And Issa was always very happy to know after she only had been to like two or three CESs of her own that we didn't have to feel the obligation to cover literally every little thing at the show. We could actually go there, only cover the things that we are there that helped us get there. And we could call it a show. <laughs> it was, it was, it's still weird to think about that because I, I had what, six years of Android authority covering literally every little thing we could possibly cover. And now here I was like, I'm actually kind of just here for Qualcomm, like in, in our case mm -hmm. for, for that particular show. For the, yeah. Cause you had the sponsorship, right? Yeah. Which was like, wow, that's the life has changed. And it was, it was a very hopeful yet tiring start to 2020. And then Samsung happens. MWC gets canceled. The rest of the year just goes to shit. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there was, I don't know if you participated, but this past week there was a, a call with Computex because they are planning to have their show, uh, what is it, the first week of June uh, in person in Taiwan. Um, not sure how that's going to happen. But is that really what they, is it. that really what they were showing? Because I thought that, I, I got into the call a little bit late, but their talk of the show being like AI powered, that I thought that sounded to me like they were going virtual as well. No, the the AI powered is to give you recommendations for which booths you should be going to. Oh, uh, no. So the so they they touted how Taiwan has had one of the lowest outbreaks in Asia. How mm -hmm. they've been able to you know essentially cut off the world. But I'm just sitting there thinking like. So you're going to open up to the world and let all these people in when, I mean, technically June is, you know, still six months away and we don't, we have no clue where things are going to be going. But I mean, even MWC announced that they had post, they were postponing Mobile World Congress for 2021 until I think they said June or something. So it's not going to happen. And I the remember idea it being is, June. And if it's the same week. That's going to be a hard. It's, it's probably pick. not. They're not going to do it the same way. They, they shouldn't. They wouldn't do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the the whole idea of postponing it a little bit later so that you know maybe COVID could be well under control by then. But uh, June and maybe even July still seems a little bit early for me as as far as how things are playing out right now. I mean, setting new records daily still at the end of middle of December now. It's it's kind of crazy. I wouldn't be surprised if they required proof of vaccination. And for Taiwan, 
Computex for is Taiwan the, especially for Taiwan, yes. Um, but also, Computex is just—it's probably one of my—it might be my favorite show, to be honest. Um, I have never been. It's so great. Like, not only does the city of Taipei morph in the most effective ways to make the show easy. Let's let's say easy because public transportation in Taipei becomes centered around the show. So you don't actually, mm-hmm. we don't have to do that. I'm going to say bullshit of Vegas, like trying to get into cabs and Ubers and all of that crap. Um, there, they literally changed the bus lines to all go to the convention center so that you, you know, anybody can get on there and still get off on their usual route, but they encourage you to use it because they add the convention center as a main stop. And it's, it's so fantastic. Like it's just one of the coolest things. Um, I don't know, like if, if they have a proof, if they require proof of vaccination, I would gladly oblige and if it meant so the I could question go. is can we get vaccinations by then that is the that's, question yes that's the question like that's the assumption is the general public uh will be able to access vaccinations by by june you know or something like by that, yeah. late q2 early q3 but you know who knows yeah as far as mwc 2021 i'm looking at it here it's scheduled for the last week of june oh the last week okay. in part in Barcelona. So Computex would be the first week of June and then um, MWC would be the last. Yeah. I mean, with CES this year, just going virtual, it's kind of, I don't know, like I get product announcements and I get, you know, bringing a product to market. But for the most part, CES has always been, here are the products that we're coming out with this year. And most of the products are not ready for prime time. Uh, you know, a lot of times they don't even let you, you know, film or video devices that are, you know, the software is not even done yet. You know, they say, you know, don't turn the screen on or don't turn the camera on. It's not ready yet because those devices aren't coming out for another six months. They're only there because the press is there. Mm-hmm. And so they want to show something to the press. So without the physical manis- physical manifestation of the show, there's going to be significantly fewer product announcements at CES just because if there's nobody to touch it and feel it, why should we announce something that's not technically coming for another six or seven months, especially with the TV segment? I mean, we always see new TV innovations and they're like, these are the TVs that are coming out in Q4 of this year. You're like, it's Q1. Yeah, they'll be here for the holidays. I'm like, wait a second. Yeah. Like you're not going to, it's not going to show up in Best Buy for another nine months. I can already hear a few people going, why don't they just send it to you? <laughs> well, he just answered yeah. the question. Like they're not coming out for a while. They're not ready yet. Yeah. And can you imagine if they had a lot of us tech uh, reporters or tech bloggers, they're going to send how many TVs to how many people if that were the they're case? Not. They're not. <laughs> and honestly, like I, while I've reviewed a handful of TVs, I hate reviewing TVs because you literally have to move around your house in order to set up a TV. Exactly. Especially if you already have a TV in your house like where you put your other TV and then you never know when they're going to ask for it back. And then you got to package that up and mm-hmm. they, they don't come via UPS. They come via a courier like delivery a freight, truck yeah. service, mm-hmm. like a freight delivery service. And they're like, we're going to be there in two hours. <laughs> wow. It's ridiculous. The logistics that go around uh, having TVs delivered and then taken away from your house. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. 
Well, we're going to do more of our retrospective on 2020, but also look forward to 2021. Uh, but also, I'm going to, I'm going to, when we come back from the break, I do have one thing I wanted to follow up on as far as releases and press uh, previews are concerned. There's one story this past week I just can't ignore. We'll get to it after the break. Okay, so back from the break, uh, Nick figured out his little like tech issue, his user error issue. He's so he's uh, we don't do Which a video. One? I have so many. <laughs> we we don't do a video podcast, but the man had his like his camera just literally die, and there were no spares charged, and now he's finally got a bit of a charge to 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 look good on the Streamyard. Um, and you know what? Shouts out to Streamyard for being. Honestly, when it comes to services that I tried out in 2020, this might be top because it revitalized the way that I do podcasting. I'm able to do low latency video calls even. I even use this just to talk to people sometimes. Like it's it's great. Um, a couple of my friends get a little bit skeevish because they know I'm a YouTuber. So when they come onto the StreamYard link, they're all like, you're not recording this, are you? And I'm like, would you calm down? I'm not recording every. I'm not a vlogger. <laughs> like I don't record literally everything. <laughs> you should. You should record every moment of your life oh you God. should just have a camera up in the corner just streaming you in, as you're doing all your work so not exciting whatsoever <laughs> like it's just not um, i'm sure some people would watch I, i'm sure too and no no uh no offense intended to those fans but still um i have to be proud of the content i put out and also, i would not be proud of that watch. Huh? Isa would be watching. I don't know. Even Isa, I think at some point would be like, I know what you're doing. Like, I don't She'd know. be like, babe, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> she could, yeah. Especially if I had like some sort of speaker on the camera that someone could just chime in and just be like, <laughs> just talk to you. Just Isa would just chime in and just go, no. <laughs> uh uh. All right. So, um, like I was alluding to before the break, uh, there is a story I just can't ignore. Um, last week, TK and I were talking about, like, we're gamers. I know, Nick, you're kind of a gamer, but not quite on the level of... Pseudo, pseudo gamer. A pseudo I'm gamer. not on your level. Is that what you said? Exactly. Exactly. You're going to throw yeah. this at you. <laughs> you're not on our level because... Well, let's put it this way. Do you even have a way of playing cyberpunk right now? Like, that's the question. <laughs> Oh, Stadia. Stadia controller. I have to, it's okay. probably a better experience than what your gaming computer can do. I don't know. Okay, well, here's the thing. I have I the... I can play it in 4K. Can you? Yeah, actually. I mean, I don't have a... I, the 4K TV's over there, but I gotta, I gotta put the laptop on there. But you know what? Points to you for mentioning Stadia, because yes, it is probably one of the better ways of doing it. It is on a high-powered computer, which is then streamed to you. Play it on my darn smartphone. <laughs> uh, so, And also on GeForce Now, which is the other way that I'm going to play it uh, at some point. The thing is, we talk mm -hmm. about embargoes and releases and press events and all this stuff, and CD Projekt Red, a a company that I have just loved and many people have loved because of what they've done with the Witcher series and the goodwill that they've had with people, they, they are losing it by the minute because the console version of Cyberpunk, not only, it was like eating raw cookie dough. Like you could have a good time with it, but it's really bad for you. And that's- I, I wouldn't compare it to eating raw cookie dough because I- I think raw cookie dough is better than the actual cookie. Oh, I I think this would be like eat, eating eating uncooked chicken. I don't know about that. It's not going to kill you. This like <laughs> it like 
uncooked chicken, there's a chance it could kill you, but oh, you'll wow. still get sustenance from it, and it'll give you a tummy ache afterwards. <laughs> tummy, but it's definitely not. It's definitely not recommended. Exactly. Uh, console versions. I can't. I don't know. Like, I just wanted to put the thought out there that, on the one hand, it sucks that. It had to go down this way because the PC version, um, or even then, um, by PC, I also mean Stadia and GeForce Now, they're buggy, but they're still good. They're still an amazing game underneath some of the bugs that will get ironed out over time. The Witcher 3 was the same way. But I can't help but think that CD Projekt Red investors or executives had this sort of they felt this pressure to still have last gen versions of the game. And it's because of that that they weren't able to make it as good as they possibly could by the standards of that we know CD Projekt Reddit should have. And then it just became this like absolute mess. There's still next-gen versions of this game that are going to come out for PS5 and Xbox, and they're probably going to be pretty great by the time they iron out all of the bugs in the PC version and add those to the next-gen consoles. But wow. And the fact that they were not giving out the review copies for console they only gave PC out because they knew that was a workable version of the game. Just like this weird sleaziness that I think you and I, having been in this industry for as long as we have, we haven't really experienced it to a very like crazy extent, but we know it's possible. And now people yeah, are mean, seeing it on a huge scale those, because of this video game. Yeah, it's one of those things where you typically... From a hardware standpoint, you typically don't get this same type of experience unless you've backed a not so great Kickstarter campaign. Mm. Like it's it's been delayed an extra year than it was originally planned to launch, and then the product that they shipped was not up to par with what your expectations were, and the software on it didn't work quite as good as it should. I've I've backed a handful of Kickstarter projects that were kind of like that. And I think that's the same kind of experience. I honestly think, you know, with how long this game was in development, what was it, eight years is the number, right? Yeah. Like, I think the first preview was 2012. Yep. And, I mean, 2012, that means they were technically working on it and they weren't even targeting... When did the PS4 come out? It was around that time. So, I mean, technically they had started production and the PS3 was still the main console at yeah. the time. And then, you know, they, they got much bigger eyes than what they could actually deliver. They were like, oh my gosh, I see this amazing game that we can play, which is, which is a great game. But they envisioned something that could not be implemented until today. And even the implementation that it is today with this latest generation of amazing GPUs that we have in the latest consoles yeah. and for desktop PCs, it's still not quite up to par with what the performance that those machines can deliver. I mean, it's a great thing that they're thinking ahead and trying to utilize as much graphic processing power as possible. But when you consider that how many people own the new Xbox and the new PlayStation now, I would say probably less than two million each when yeah. you have an install base of a hundred plus or two hundred plus million if you count both at the very least consoles. far far less than people who own last gen consoles yeah i mean it's exponentially mm -hmm. screwed up like there are so many people that have been left out without being given 
a fair warning that the experience wouldn't even be close. Not not just like oh it's a co- like we had to downgrade the graphics a little bit. Like it is not even close. Mm-hmm. Like if you look if you look at some of the the clips that I've seen on on YouTube of uh, the game being played on PS4, it honestly looks like PS1 graphics in some instances. Yeah. Like the the amount of blockiness and choppiness that's in there. I'm like, man, that looks like the like that looks like Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> yeah, it, it it can look pretty damn bad. And I know a lot of it's it's funny because as reviewers, I mean, I'm, I don't really use that term for myself anymore. Because, for example, I'm finally going to put out an iPhone 12 Pro review, and while in while in a lot of ways it's a review, like half the video is me basically just saying, "Well, here's why I feel this way," you know. And I'm very, I make it very clear I'm not a tester anymore. That's that's a life I left behind. You know, I'm, I just want to provide my experience with a with a with a product, and in that vein, CD Projekt Red gave PC versions to reviewers who then gave their scores and their reviews based upon a version of the game that was actually not bad. Now people see those reviews and they're like, "Oh, eight out of ten, awesome! I'm going to get it for PS4, and this is what you get." And now the well, that's that's where I think a lot of the gaming publications deserve a lot of credit because they have now gone back and done specific reviews for PlayStation oh, sure. Four, yes, specific that has reviews for the Xbox, uh, you know, One X, and like they've they've done device specific reviews to give you a very good understanding that this game is not the same experience on every single console or gaming platform that you're at, Um, which credit to them. But I I was having this conversation with somebody last week of, remember the days when gaming consoles, you shipped a CD and that was the game. Mm -hmm. And there were no updates. Yep. If you found a bug- There were no patches. Yeah, exactly. If you found a bug, it was part of your experience. It was part of your experience, but that also means they spent, like, once they finalized the game, they spent six months in QA mm-hmm. to say, what are all the bugs? Let's find all the bugs. Let's fix all the bugs because they couldn't patch it. But now you have day one patches followed by day two patches followed by week one patches followed by month one patches. Like, they've already laid out. I think four patch cycles for the old old generation of consoles that are going to be coming over the next two months. Like they've mapped that out saying, well, this first patch is going to fix some of these things and improve this. The second patch is going to like, they already knew about all of the issues that they had. They just like, we didn't have time and we just wanted to get it out the door. Yeah. And you know what? Like you said, credit to the publications. I think a little bit of credit has to be given to also Sony for Taking a very pulling it from the for pulling it from the PlayStation Store. That is such a hard choice to make, especially not only on the on behalf of CD Projekt Red, who still hasn't even said anything about it, but also just on the part of PlayStation, who just released PS5s, and there are people buying these games off the PlayStation Store during the holidays. We're literally a week from Christmas, and they pulled one of the most anticipated games of all time from their store. What a hard decision for them to make. And um, wow, it's just nuts. And, and I just giving refunds. Yes, that's yeah. Uh, that's why uh, I uh, I didn't say that part. It is refunds. They're pulling it and giving people refunds for their copies that they bought off the PlayStation store. And it's like, wow, I was this close to getting 
the console version because I have a PS5 and I, I was like, okay, cool. Um, or even an Xbox Series S. We don't know what Microsoft will do. But yeah, it's what a crazy thing because on the desktop that I use, which has a 2080 Super in it, so it means I can play the game effectively. Um, I, I actually turn ray tracing off just to get more FPS. So I will admit that. Um, what kind of FPS are you pushing on the 2080 Super? Uh, I'm getting like 80. 80 frames. That's good enough. You don't need more than 80. Even no, no, with no. ray tracing? Oh, no. With, with, ray ray tracing, tracing, with ray tracing, it's more like 50. Okay. Yeah. It's more like so 50. Yeah, if, you, if you can get it above the 60 mark. Yeah. But so, I mean, here's my thing, though. Like, Stadia has gotten a lot of flack this past year for not delivering on all the promises that they had set out at the very beginning like the 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 platform still isn't complete in what the vision of it was and it was being compared as far as graphics quality and everything else to the current generation or last generation consoles at this point they're being you know compared to the playstation 4 and then this happens and it's kind of put stadia in the best light possible because you can currently buy well if you pre-ordered cyberpunk 2077 on stadia they sent you the chromecast and the controller for free and i think three months subscription to stadia pro so for 60 bucks they give you a 70 dollar controller and the chromecast which is another 50 or 60 bucks um and then the experience is better than what you get on, you know, the millions of consoles that everybody is currently using. And yep. then I think a lot of people just had the aha moment of, wait, I don't have to buy a PlayStation 5 in order to play this game. Uh, and then the last couple of days, Stadia's had a huge influx in users causing the system to crash a couple different times because oh. everybody's buying and playing Cyberpunk 2077 on it. I did not know that. I didn't yeah, know that so part. I think two two days ago the service was out for two hours due to high high system demand. That's nuts. And I I don't know if it's specifically tied to that because Google Google's had issues with Gmail and a couple other of its services with yeah. their um with their servers the last couple of days, but. They said part of it's tied with tied to Stadia and increased demand for for Stadia, which is a good thing for for Google and you know streaming platforms overall. Um, I, I've heard the experience on GeForce Now is just as good as what what it is on Stadia, if not a little bit better, because Stadia is capped at sixty FPS. Mm -hmm. I don't think it can even pull sixty FPS with with Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven though. I mean, I, it's crazy because I've 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 been excited for the new consoles. I'm definitely a PlayStation person. That's how much I've learned from, you know, using both. Uh, and but the thing is, it 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 takes something like this to bring me right back to PCs. And it's like, mm -hmm. wow, there's merits across the board for every single thing. Um, so yeah, I'm. Again, I said this last week when TK and I were talking about this. I know that I'm very fortunate and blessed to be able to have ways of actually enjoying these things when most people probably are still on their ps4s or xbox ones hoping for a way of like actually playing something that they were looking forward to and then this is just how it ends up it's it's crazy it's, it's just it i can't i can't ignore this story i had to bring it up especially since tiki and i were talking about it have you actually been playing it on on stadia a lot 
I I have not. I download downloaded. I installed it. Oh, okay. no, I didn't even install it. I, I you purchased just bought it, it. <laughs> and and got through like the intro part. I honestly I've put in less than thirty minutes on it just okay. because uh, I just don't have time. As you said, I'm not on your level of gaming. <laughs> I, I'm I'm trying to play through Assassin's Creed Valhalla, man. I, Is it, I'm okay, only three it, hours into that, and I had to make sacrifices to even play Cyberpunk because I'm actually playing it for my gaming channel. I'm recording every minute, which mm-hmm. is the other reason why I have lower FPS is because I'm also recording it at the same. You're exact recording time. at the same time. Um, but yeah, the uh, yeah, I, I've been playing it, and I'm I think I'm like 25 hours in, but I'm not even that far in the story. Like that's how much time I've just yeah. been dedicating to just enjoying the game. Uh, some of my friends, like this game came out a week ago. Some of my friends are like 60 hours in already. I'm just like, what kind of, there are nine to five workers, which is totally makes sense to me. Like (laughs) they get off work at four and they just play the rest of the evening. Play all night. God, I wish I, I miss that. I I miss that aspect of that life, but you, you can totally work that aspect of life. You just turn off work at five o'clock and go do whatever the heck you want after that. You know what? Goals for 2021. And, um, with that, I recommend not being married and not having children. If you (laughs) want to do that though, (laughs) I have a wife and children. And we have pets, and so I have no time to do anything. Well, I play five hours of video games a week. Well, we're gonna have to talk to Isa about that. Um, I, I mentioned in, uh, well, in she's not your wife yet, so you're good. Fair, uh, and she's on the other side of the planet. <laughs> I did, uh, I did say to her in one of our podcasts that um, I long for the day in 2021 when I could be playing, let's say, Cyberpunk or some some sort of game on my PS5 or Xbox or PC, whatever the case may be. I'm sitting on one side of the couch and you're on the other side of the couch just reading your book. Like that's mm-hmm. three hours right there. That to me, that's bliss. To me, that is what I hope to have in 2021. And on that note, we'll take one more break. The very rare two break episode. <laughs> uh, that way we can talk about 2020 retrospective and 2021, what we're looking forward to. All right, back from the break. You were going to say something just before I segued into the break. <laughs> no, it's good. Okay. We can we can t- we can talk about 2020 and So you there's been a lot of good stuff this year. There actually has. And not even just what we're talking about in terms of like consoles and gaming and all that. Um we have friends who are putting out their end of the year retrospectives with many different YouTubers. I've been on one of them and uh that was when you you got the idea to do one as well which we discussed a little bit, but you're going to make it very specific to like, what was your favorite smartphone of the year? Which I mm-hmm. totally agree with. I think that's a good idea. I guess we could sort of hash that out on the show right now. <laughs> so we know what our answers will be. So I guess I'll leave it up to you. It's your idea to do, uh, to do this segment in the first place. Like, what would you say is your favorite? What would Fandroid's editor-in-chief say is his favorite phone of the year? And why is it the iPhone 20? I'm kidding. <laughs> Hey, my iPhone's right over here. Let me grab it for a second. <laughs> no, it's so I, yeah, I, I I asked you if you wanted to to help out with a a roundup for favorite smartphone of the year, mm-hmm. and the the reason why I really want to do just favorite smartphone is because I've really had a hard time picking and choosing which smartphone's been my favorite this year. There's been as I said, 2020 has had some amazing products. Like there are things across the board ranging from, 
um, $50 smartphones all the way up to $1,500 smartphones. And in the case of Samsung's devices, even $2,000 smartphones. And just trying to find the perfect device among all of those is it's it's an exercise in futility if you know if you're trying to like find a score for the devices to see which one was actually better than all the others yeah um as far as my personal favorite goes and i have to go back to the reason why it's my personal favorite and i would say it's well those who are listening can't see this, but this is the Cyberpunk 2077 oh. edition. What a what a way to bring One it back! Plus eight T, tying all this back to the epic failure that they're going through right now. But the standard version of this phone, which is the regular One Plus Eight T, has been the one device that I've gone back to since it launched and using that on a daily basis as my daily driver. There have been some really good phones. Technically, the OnePlus 8 Pro is a much better device. The camera is significantly better. Uh, battery life is better. Uh, but the, the size of this phone, the overall performance that it delivers is impeccable. And for me, it comes down to give me a flat screen and I will be eternally grateful. And that's what they did with this phone. And that's that's why it's one of my my top picks of the year. I think uh it, it the the OnePlus AT has sort of resurged a little bit in my last like week or two. Every year around Christmas, I I without mincing words, I upgrade my parents' phones. So with something that I used in that particular year, that's what they end up getting. And my father has been very much a OnePlus fan um, because I put him on the OnePlus 7T, I think, a couple years back. Now he's on the 8 Pro. Um, <clears throat> no, I take that back. He was on the 6 for a while, and then he's on the 7 Pro now, the almond color, um, which was kind of hard to get at the time. Now he's on the almond color. I, I love that color. Yeah. Uh, he's about to go on the 8T, and I... This is one of those this is this is a year where I with every upgrade that I've given them I've always had to give caveats of like okay so here's like the 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 Galaxy Note 9 it's a little big it's you know XYZ there are certain things about it that you should know about um the software might not be XYZ whatever the case may be there's always some sort of caveat but with the OnePlus 8T me handing it to my dad I'm just like yeah you'll be fine like you know, be a good phone. No explanation necessary. Exactly. Just let's let's the get you. The camera can use a little bit of work, but compared to ninety nine percent of the other, like it's on par with Samsung's cameras this year. It's just not on Pixel level or Galaxy Note twenty Ultra level. Sure. Yeah. Um, my mom, on the other hand, is getting the. Uh, it took me forever to give this to her, but uh, the Note ten in red that I bought, not the Note ten plus, the Note ten. The one that I bought because it was the only color. And now, given what we're, we know about the Galaxy Note line, it might be the only small note from here on out. Yeah. I have my mini note, the, my mini note 10 from last year. Yeah. So, it's a great phone. I, 
for for twenty for twenty nineteen, that was that was my favorite yeah. device was the Mini Note Ten. And I would yeah, give her I mean, the Note, but the thing is, if I were to put that next to the Note Twenty Ultra and tell my mom which one would you want, like there's no content, <laughs> no way. <laughs> like I, I honestly, I love the Note Twenty Ultra just because of what it represents, and the cameras are so darn good. Mm-hmm. Like bump down the saturation just a little bit, and it's it's an incredible device. But you hold it in your hand for more than 10 minutes and you're like, man, I didn't know I was going to the gym today. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, I will say that I don't think I have any one phone that truly made me that excited. Um, Truth be told, you brought up OnePlus. I actually haven't felt that way about OnePlus in a while. Uh, There's nothing wrong with their devices. They just don't really like wow me or excite me and i think part of the reason why is because i've become so jaded to certain aspects of our smartphones that i know are going to be in every smartphone at this point um Mm -hmm. which is why weird is what gets me and i get that a lot of people will say z fold 2 z fold 2 or even lg flip um the flip is up there like i i adore the form factor but the performance does not live up to the form factor it, it misses the mark just a little bit. Put an 865 in there, it would have been the best phone of the year, hands down for me. Um, but there is a phone that I haven't even touched that I want so bad. It just wasn't released here in the US and I keep begging my contact to send me one. It's the one, I have to give it the crown of the one that got away. And I'm even this close to buying it myself. Like I'm, I'm paying off like credit card debts and all that. But once I have a little bit of funds to get it without feeling hurt, like I'm going to get it. I got to say, I want the Asus Zenfone 7 Pro. I want that phone so freaking bad because I think it, I think it covers every base I would want from a phone. It's a little weird with that flipping camera, but the weirdness makes it so that the good rear cameras become your great front cameras. Mm-hmm. Aside from that, I've because of phones like the Flip and the iPhone 12 Pro Max, I've become a little bit more used to larger screens. And since gaming has taken on a whole new, a whole new, not really identity, but it's taken on a whole new level this year. I'm open to it more. I've been watching more things on the larger screens. I've been enjoying cons- uh, media consumption more. So the Zenfone 7 Pro is a bit of a large phone, but I can see how I'll enjoy that. Aside from that, though, it's got all the performance chops. It's got all the other things you would expect, a huge battery, all of that. It literally checks every box. The only box it doesn't check is US release. And I'm so mad about that because the Zenfone 6 it's still probably my favorite 2019 phone. Like that hasn't changed. I loved, I loved the Zenfone 6. Like typically yeah. I don't travel to trade shows with a single phone, but when I went to, um, what was it? Was it IFA? I went to IFA yeah. last summer. Yeah. In Berlin. And the Zenfone 6 was the only phone I took with me because that thing, the software was great. And just having the flip up cameras with the ultra wide camera and the main camera being able to be used those for selfie pictures was, I don't know, it's the best selfie experience you can get on a smartphone. There's a, there's another far. there's another layer to that that I think every manufacturer needs to think about more. Um, because the whole camera module flips over, it also flips the microphone with it. So it's actually one of the best vlogging phones too, because the audio mm-hmm. is not relegated to some mic on the bottom of the phone that you hope you're not covering yeah uh so yeah when i took that phone to the philippines and to japan 
in 2019, that was like, that's the most memorable phone uh, because it was able to help me vlog so effectively. Um, the other the other phone would have been the uh, the Pixel 3a at the time. Um, but yeah, I had to say, like, I, I'm still fiending for that device. And I know it will, I'm pretty freaking certain it would be my favorite phone of 2020 if I just got my hands on it. Just sell one of the devices that you currently have that you really don't care that much about. I have a few returns. It. I have I have a couple yeah. of returns going, and I'm going to get that money back for sure. Um, but I'm trying. You you're the one who has been guiding me in this whole journey of credit card debt repayment. So just pay them all off, man. You don't need a new phone. <laughs> no. Um. So to that point, though, paying things off and maybe even cheaper devices. What do you think is the most significant smartphone? of 2020 not hmm. not your favorite but like significant to the market Ooh, that's a really good question um because that's a completely different question are we talking like global market or u.s market or um well device that you think has had not necessarily like the biggest impact as far as you know sale of devices but a big impact as far as changing the perspective of the market mm. That's a tough one um, because I could go to phones like the Galaxy Ultras for really pushing the envelope um, and showing us that ultimately pushing the envelope doesn't mean a necessity of a device. <laughs> like some of the stuff that they were pushing, like especially the S20 Ultra, none of that was was necessary. None of it was necessary. No, none of it. Um, so it, it taught us things is what I mean. But even then, if I were to say the S20 Ultra, it's not like that wasn't tried before because so many Chinese phones had tried telescopics and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So it's hard. That's why I say what what markets. Um, if I'm truly honest, I think we have, uh, on the high end, we have learned a lot about how different phones can get and how we can push that envelope. Oh, how, or they have learned. Foldables, sure. Uh, LG Wing, sure. But on the other end of the spectrum, in the cheap markets, I don't know. There's not any one phone. The first one that comes to mind just because it's recent is the Poco M3 to show that you can actually have a phone that is so cheap but can still be effective. Um, I think that 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 as a trend, I think, is what was impactful in 2020. Of all years, that had to happen this year. Yeah, and so my perspective is the same as you know your second half there of the cheap end. For me, it's the Pixel 4a. Mm -hmm. While it's not a hugely successful device when compared to the galaxies of the world or you know even some OnePlus devices, it's probably going to go down as the most the best selling Pixel device to date. Um, and the fact that it is a $350 smartphone, $350 smartphone that gives you the same Pixel camera that you essentially get on the flagship device. And Pixel phones are mainly known for their camera. A $350 smartphone that can outshoot a $1,000 Samsung Galaxy smartphone is insane. Mm -hmm. And honestly, like puts everything else within that same mid-range, like lower budget mid-range segment to shame. But then, you know, even comparing it to new iPhones and things like that, when you can have a buy a $350 smartphone and outshoot the newest iPhones is, is one of those things where you didn't think that was possible. Um, and I think on top of that, 
not not that device specifically because it's not powered by this chipset, but the Snapdragon 765 chipset has been phenomenal yep. in delivering some incredible devices in the mid-range segment, starting at you know four hundred and fifty dollars and going all the way up to like seven fifty uh, with some manufacturers. And I honestly don't know what they're thinking, charging that much money for a mid-range chipset. Um, but it's enabled this mid-range segment to kind of broaden a lot more than it has been in the past and show that you don't need a flagship device anymore if you want really good performance um, in a smartphone. You don't need to pay $1,000 for that anymore. Yeah, totally agreed. Uh, the reason why I did not immediately go for the Pixel 4a as my pick in that sense is because the iPhone SE exists. So if you're going to ask me any one device that mm. made that impact, it doesn't stand alone. Like it is, yeah. I like it better than the iPhone SE. Let me put that personal perspective out there. But the fact that both of them are in the same bracket, they both mm. have done that. So I went for the trend more than the device. Um, but that said, like think of any phone with a, with a full HD screen where you can just enjoy watching Netflix and YouTube and Disney Plus and all that stuff for 130 bucks. <laughs> like, yeah, I can't think of any phone other than the Poco M3 that can give you that. Um, yeah, and I, I haven't finished my Poco M3 review quite yet. Uh, but the only thing I've been disappointed with in the phone is which one did they send you? Did they send you the? I wanted the, the I wanted one? the yellow so bad, but no, they they sent the black. Yeah, the yellow one would have been a much better choice. For me, it's the the choice, the texture of the material on the back of the phone is like I I was really looking forward to holding this phone in my hand and the the minute I took it out of the box, I was like, "Ah, yeah, it, it's not like as grippy the, as you think." Yeah, like it so it has this faux leather texture to it and uh, it looks nice, but the second you hold it, you're like, oh, that's just cheap plastic. Yeah. Um, so that's I, my only gripe about the phone so far. I still have to put my finishing touches on, you know, my, my final thoughts on it, but it's, it's for, I've, the U S price you said was 130. Well, by now it'll be like 150, 149, 150. Yeah. So for the price it is, it is a pretty good phone. Yeah. Yeah, and this is this is Poco's coming out party in a way because they this is the phone that they're releasing globally, so it makes sense. Like put out a put out a really cheap phone that people will scoop right up, and that gives you a good foothold, gives you some goodwill in the global market. That's a pretty mm -hmm. damn good move. Um, so yeah, that would be. Uh, I'm not I'm not I'm not singling out the Poco M3. It's just my example of how good cheaper phones can get. If we're going to push they the envelope have. in one direction, we better do it in the other as well. So that's my main thing. Um, we only have a, we only have like five or so minutes left. Um, I guess we can move into just how, what are we looking forward to in 2021 trends, devices, specific things, whatever, like you can give your answer. Um, I don't know, it, like with 2020 being the way it was, um, I have lots of hopes and expectations for 2021 just because of coronavirus and the whole world being locked down so i'm you know the main thing is the world getting back to normal but from a technology standpoint we've seen things shift and evolve in 2020 a little bit differently than what they would have if if you know the world had not had covid um so it's going to be interesting to see how 
things get back on track and see what manufacturers do with that. Uh, we've spent so much more time on things like video calls, um, doing remote work, trying to operate in a different way than we have in the past. Uh, so to see um, what companies do with that, because, you know, the, these product timelines are, you know, 18 to 24 months long. So while we did see some shifts in 2020, the full effect of that isn't going to be seen until the middle of next year or even the end of next year. Mm -hmm. um, so. I mean, with with laptop manufacturers um, right now, I'm I'm chatting with you with a horrible 720p <laughs> webcam that even like even before it goes to the internet looks grainy on my side. With how many video calls people do these days, like you know, just give people a darn 1080p webcam that actually can perform as good as a selfie camera can. We all know selfie cameras on smartphones are the worst cameras ever, but the webcams on your laptops are five times worse. Yeah. So like little things like that. I, I'm, I'm hoping there's going to be some really good insights into how the world has shifted this past year and using that information to inform manufacturers of what's truly important going forward. You know, we don't need a 10x zoom camera on the back of a smartphone because, hey, Guess what? We're not going outside and we don't need to zoom in 10 times. We need we need some we need a slightly better selfie camera. We need things that are more practical than these, you know, moonshots that look good on paper but aren't actually practical in the real world. Sure. Um I like that you went conceptual because the there are things that we are speculating will be coming out. Like I keep looking at this LG rollable that apparently is going to be a thing next year. Oppo's like sort of slidey flippable concept phone. Like these are all things that I'm game for, but I think what makes mm -hmm. me more excited is being able to actually cover them. And I mean like not virtually, not remotely. Um, <laughs> There in the been, real world in yeah uh in the as, as michael fisher would say in the meat space <laughs> in the meat space. <laughs> such a weird way to put it um but michael but, fisher but more than anything what gets me excited about those products is that i can actually take everything i learned in 2020 and actually use it because you've seen the metamorphosis of sorts here this year like i finally went full frame camera and then like I learned how to use, I, I, some people might have been following my journey in 2020 where, oh snap, like this is what a powerful laptop can bring me. <laughs> like I had been using mid-range laptops for so long because I wanted to save money. And now some laptop company is just like, hey, let's give you a 2080 in a laptop. Just review this laptop and see what it's like. And here I am with the eyes wide open, like, oh, this is what I could have been enjoying on the road mm -hmm. this entire time. Why have I been stressing? Except it's a beast. Oh, yeah. Like, like you don't want to carry that in your backpack at CES all day long. Which is true. Um, very, very true. Though I will say that's when something like the Apple MacBook M1s come into play. You know, like, we are moving into a segment of, of, of tech history where people like us who actually use these products for very important things are seeing the gains across the board. 
And I've been able to enjoy that in 2020 sitting in this desk or in my office with things like this desktop computer or the laptops I've been using or the full frame camera here or even just this microphone with this audio interface that I'm using that has revolutionized my podcasting methodology. These are all things that I learned by never actually experiencing them in the real world. (laughs) Like it's a Mm -hmm. weird way to put it. And I think in 2021, I just want to do that finally. I want to finally bring this mic, this camera to like whatever hotel room I'm staying in in Taipei for Computex or whatever hotel room I'm staying in for MWC and actually put all of these things to work and see how my work actually elevates because of it. Because as amazing as the tech I might have might be, it doesn't mean that I'm any more productive. <laughs> I'm still at home, you right? So when we get back into like the grind and the, the the hustle and bustle of the actual real work that we do, it's going like everything that we've learned or acquired in 2020 is just going to elevate it. Yeah, it's always interesting to see, you know, everyone has their own personal setup. You have your workflow that you go through on a day-to-day basis. But when you travel for a tech event, whether it's a phone launch or a tech conference like CES, everything gets completely thrown out of whack and you start to realize how efficient your workflow actually is Mm -hmm. and how you can actually handle yourself in a variety of different working conditions because it goes from hey i can set my things up in a hotel room and have you know my desk set up and i can do work or i'm sitting on a shuttle bus between two things and i'm offloading video from my camera onto an external hard drive to hand off to somebody so that they can start video editing. Oh, but I got to do a voiceover. I need to find a quiet room to record some audio in. And it's always interesting to see how how we handle ourselves. But the tools that we have, um, which we take for granted sometimes are supposed to make that easier. And fortunately the tools have gotten better and better, but yeah, as you said, you want to truly put them to the test. And the only way to really do that for us is to go do it in the field, Yeah, which is something that we haven't been able to do this year. Exactly. Like, I think that's, I didn't even think of that coming into this episode, but as you were saying your thing, I was like, oh, I, I know what I want in 2021 now. I want to actually... I just I just want to be stressed on the road instead <laughs> of stressed at home. Which is so true. But coming from... You and I have talked about a lot of creative stuff over the year, over, over the course of 2020. And like one of the big takeaways is that JV really loves handheld shots because they're just the easiest thing to do. So if you have good mm-hmm. stabilization in your camera, you never need a tripod, you never need all of that. I want to do that at a briefing. I want to do that at a show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and not just not just do shaky hand camera at home by yourself. Yeah, and just I want to I want to do that in the real world in the real work we do and and then put it on the let's say the M1 MacBook even that I have. Even if it's not as powerful as my desktop or the PCs that I have, it'll still be faster than what I've known before. And, and do just warp stabilization on that, man. <laughs> and I just want to be able to like put it all to work and see like, oh, he got three videos out today. Oh, he was able to get that done today. Oh, he was able to do this and that. And it's just like, that's what I want. And that's something that I've, I have struggled for years to, to work at the clip that I have worked in. And people who have followed me for my career have known this about me. I, I, I'm kind of like, there was, there was a time when I was an Android authority that I was like freakishly productive at shows. Imagine what that work ethic can do when given the right tools like that's what gets me excited mm-hmm. so that that's really that's that's really how i feel 
Oh, it, it's it's been a crazy year and a, a good year, but I think I think we can all say we're looking forward to 2021 and whatever it brings us because it's got to be better than what we've had so far in 2020. Totally. There's good and and you know what for whatever for 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 all intents and purposes there's life before vaccination there will be life after it and that's what we're looking forward to. <laughs> because it's not just going to be 2021, you know, we got to wait no, until we can not. actually do stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Nick, thank you again uh, for being on. Nice spirited conversation as always. Um, despite camera user error, I'm going to keep saying user error. Um, it is user error because, <laughs> you know, I'm lazy and decided not to charge my camera multiple batteries. Were you not going to work today? Is that what happened? You just didn't think about charging your... I'm I'm not recording today. So oh, okay. no, it's that's what even... it was. Yeah. I'm right. Hey, I, I run a website, not just a YouTube channel. <laughs> I I totally understand where you're coming from. Uh, but with that said, go ahead and plug said YouTube channel, website, whatever the case may be, anything you want to share with the listeners, let them know. So you can uh, follow me on Twitter personally at Nick M. Gray on Twitter and Instagram, uh, or else if you want to see all of my smartphone news and reviews, you can find those on fandroid.com or youtube.com slash fandroid. I will have a review of the Poco M3. That's it. That's his name, right? Yes. <laughs> M3. The, the Poco they, 150. It's not. It's not the X3 NFC. No, the, the M3. And also, I'm I'm wrapping up my Sony Xperia 5 Mark II review. I was just writing my script before getting on the podcast. Um, it's it's been a crazy year, and um, yeah, it's, I'm looking forward to 2021. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, find all of those links in the show notes. And as far as my own links and Pocket Now's links and all of that good stuff, you can go ahead and listen to them in the outro starting now. Follow the links for Nick Gray and for Fandroid, uh, all found in the show notes. You can also follow me across the interwebs. I am found on all social media, including TikTok, at JVTechT. That's JV because I love tech and I love to drink me some tea. From there, you can also find my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Joshua Vergara, where you can find content that can supplement what you see on Pocket Now every day. Speaking of which, you can head over to pocketnow.com for all of the latest news. At Pocket Now is the account handle for Instagram and Twitter. And then from there, you can head over to youtube.com slash pocket now for videos that are coming out basically every single day. With that said, I will give you another happy holidays and a Merry Christmas, and we will see you in our next episode.